Hi. Um, it's funny, Kelly, I thought you were going to say um, that I was one of your favorite people in Philadelphia, which um, I was going to be like, well, it's not our sports teams, that's for sure. So, uh, fair enough. Um, so, hot links, everybody. Uh, today, I am here to talk to you about hovers. And some of you are probably thinking, what year did I walk into? What are they doing in Philadelphia, right? No, that's cool. It's cool, I know. Um, and I think, you know, you're like, how could you possibly talk for 30 to 45 minutes about hovers? And let me tell you, I could probably talk to you all day about hovers. I love hovers a lot. How much do I love hovers, you ask? Well, enough to run this site. Fuckyeahovers.tumblr.com showcases some of my love for hovers um, on the interwebs these days. And hovers, of course, are nothing new. They've been around for quite some time. Any Dreamweaver fans here? Yeah, who here has used some of this MM swap image code before, right? Totally. Uh, just with this little handy piece of Dreamweaver injected JavaScript, we could have all the disjointed rollovers one could ever dream of. Yeah. Those were the days. Um, but, you know, it didn't stop there. We moved on from JavaScript controlled image swaps to uh, using the hover pseudo class. And this uh, hover pseudo class allowed us to do super useful things like text decoration overline. <laughs> totally right. How did we live before we could overline our links? Or we could get really crazy? Strike through. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sexy links. Um, and we have Microsoft to thank for the Hover Pseudo class, not to be confused with their 1995 Hover Car game. Also an enjoyable thing, so thank you, Microsoft, for both. And we kept going with Hovers. Remember? Did you guys read this 2003 article? Does anyone remember this? Suckerfish dropdowns. This was like mind blowing when it came out because all of a sudden we didn't have to use JavaScript anymore. With CSS, we could make a hover on list items and anything could hover. And we're like, this is amazing. You just made these like mega menu dropdowns so much more awesome. And it worked in every browser, right? Yeah. Did anyone read uh, Chris Coyers wrote a post this week about public speaking and he said, don't include cats and don't include IA6 jokes? Yeah. <laughs> um, hovers have also been really important for accessibility. Along with its focus counterpart, uh, when you change a visual, uh, like there's some sort of visual movement on hover, it lets the users know that it is in fact a link, right? So something that's been very important. And talk about hovers has been coming up a lot. And it's been coming up a lot because of mobile devices, right? And everyone's like, well, you can't hover on mobile, so hover is dead. Um, and I promise I will touch on that in a little bit. So uh, I don't totally agree, <laughs> um, if you can imagine, that I'm standing up here with this love of hovers. Um, but I will touch on in a bit of how we can sort of, what we can do for mobile devices and hovers. So I write a monthly column for .NET Magazine where I review uh, some sites that do great CSS. And one of the things that's been popping up a lot is all these great examples of hovers and really cool hovers. And so I want to show you some examples of what exactly I'm talking about. And the first one is jasonsanamaria.com. And you can see that um, basically Jason just has this nice sort of, it's a color fade when you're hovering over the links. Something uh, very basically, it just sort of feels right. 
Another example here is Two Paper Dolls is a letterpress studio in Pennsylvania, and you can sort of see they have these like fun, uh, they drop down the main navigation when you hover over them, and you're like, that's cool, and then there's these big color changes over here, and you're like, that's kind of fun. Uh, this is esquire.co.uk. You can see here that um, basically when you hover over their articles, you sort of, you already have an image and you have the article title, but then when you're hovering over the links, you get more information about it, sort of adding an additional um, piece of info that might help you decide whether or not you want to read a story about Man of Steel. Um, and this sort of is reminiscent of um, something else. It's reminiscent of, you guys remember that feeling when in action scripts, when you first opened up Flash and you learned how to tween things? I wrote an article about this recently because that's sort of what it feels like, right? It was like so exciting. You had like the bouncy ball and you're like, I can make it move from here to here. This is amazing. And it was really exciting, right? You remember this? Awesome. It was so good. And so it sort of has that same feeling now with CSS animations and transitions. It's got a sort of that fun excitement. The thing about this excitement though, right, is we're getting back sort of into this time where you have to ask yourself, just because I can do something, should I? Someone thought, I can make pickles flavor toothpaste. Let's do it. And I'm like, whoa, buddy. Let's, uh, let's keep our uh, decisions wise in basically our hover choices and our tooth care, two very important things. Um, so in choosing a wise hover, I would like to start with what I am calling the essential hover. And um, if we go back and look at Jason's site again, you can see that this is an effect that we've been used to for like quite some time, right? When you hover over something, the color changes on the link. But just by adding this little bit of fade, it becomes a bit less jarring, right? Color fades are essentially what I like to call the smooth jazz of hovers. Things just sort of feel better when you add them. And it's really quite simple to add this to all the links on your page. Taking a look at their code, I'm showing um, old uh, WebKit and um, Firefox uh, vendor prefixes. I went and lost on the word for a second here. Um, but essentially, we're just adding a color transition. And by adding in and doing your typical switch from one color to another, but by declaring a transition, it gives you that Kenny G on your page. And you're like, yes, this is some sweet, sweet tunes. Um, and well, you can take that a step further. Once you have the essential hover, you can sort of take it a little bit further time at a time for what's necessary. So this is a project that I worked on when I was at Happy Cog for uh, Delaware Valley College. And while we were there, um, the designer said to me, uh, Michael Johnson, that what he wanted was he wanted the color to come right on, but then fade off as you transition over it. And so we're able to do this. You can see right now, it comes right on and then fades off instead of fading in and fading out. And you're able to basically control all of this with a few different things. You can use some easing functions, but you can also just go ahead and if you change it so that you take the transition to none, it will sort of do that instant on and then take it off when you or fade out when you come off of the link. So now that we know how to make links less jarring, let's get a little more interesting, right? Lately these days, surprise and delight has been something that's really exciting about the web. And so let's take a look at this site. And this is uh, the co-op, which is a co-working space in Chicago. And they have a lot of really neat hovers on their site. And so we'll come over here to the daily rate plan and it sort of goes, it's growing and it's, the colors are changing slightly if you can see that. And then you come down here to the section where you can meet the co-opers and the, they're rotating a little when you're going over that. And you're like, oh, this is cool, some, some sweet hovers. 
So if I go back and take a look at this sort of rate section, I'm looking and I'm like, okay, cool, they've got pricing, there's flex cards, and I'm going over and I'm like, whoa, look at that go. I didn't expect that to happen. I'm surprised. And then I keep going a little more, and I'm like going back and forth, and I'm like, you know what? I'm delighted. <laughs> and um, to do this, it's really simple, right? Basically, the hover changes the background colors, and it sort of appears on. So it goes from that off-white to the current, that bright white. We're going to add that higher z-index so it appears above the other rates. And then you're going to transition the height and the margin. Because we're going to increase the height, you have to switch the margin so it moves up and then stays aligned with the rest of the items in that dock. And when we keep going down, we're going to take a look at the ro photo rotation, right? And it's just going back and forth one degree. You can barely sort of see it. And really here, it's just easy. Again, they're transitioning the transform property and rotating it from negative 3 to negative 2 degrees. It's really pretty simple. And you can see that it's totally, we'll talk about this a little more, but it's really appropriate for that site, right? It's a site that's like sort of trying to be fun. It wants you to come co-work with them. So it sort of makes you feel that vibe right away, right? From the hover. The hover says, this is a welcoming type of place. And, uh, you know, Twain Johnson might be co-working there anytime soon, right? Yeah. Um, the paint drop. <laughs> I don't know where that gift came from, guys. Sorry, I don't know. It was there. <laughs> and sometimes they just end up. Um, so the paint drop is a site by Valspar that also has some really fun um, effects when you're hovering over things. And I recreated this over at CodePen, too, if you're interested. Um, but essentially, when you hover over, you're just going to have to change the z-indexes, the heights, and the overflow to allow things to be seen. And this technique adds just the right amount of nifty factor without going over the top. And we really have to remember not to go over the top because it's a really thin line and you don't want Sylvester Stallone to show up at your house and challenge you to an arm wrestling competition because your hovers went over the line. Uh, so, um, sometimes where that line is is based upon what our content is. The thing is, though, sometimes our content can be pretty boring. You know, the, the internet, it's really easy to get your content up and out there. Sometimes it's not that exciting. So like, what am I talking about? How about FAQ pages? If you do a Googling for FAQ pages, everyone's like, top 10 ways to create a killer FAQ page. Turn your FAQ page into an FAF awesome page. Um, anyway, the results are not good. So obviously there's a problem with FAQ pages. So I decided to take a look at what some FAQ pages were doing these days, right? Because basically it ends up becoming this like catch-all. It's like, well, what are we going to do with this content? I don't know. Throw in the FAQ page. And we're like, okay, I guess maybe we can do some JavaScript show hide or something on it. It's not very exciting. So what is exciting out there? Well, here's Party Booths. Um, and for their FAQ page, um, it, uh, you know, they decided to go, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't too great. Um, so instead, let me show you this one, because this one might really, you might like this a little better. This is Extreme Photo Booth, and Extreme Photo Booth is like, I love extreme primary colors. And um, they have a lot of red, a lot of blue, a lot of yellow. And they're sort of going through this, like, uh, let's toss everything on this page, maybe throw in some goofy photos and expect people to scroll a lot. I do not know what's happening in that photo. It's really weird. And you're like, okay, I guess this is a way that I can learn about things. I know I can have a diva party. That's cool. It looks some blue. Um, so there's one option for you. Other examples, uh, this is what I like to call the classy FAQ page, right? This looks good, very nice. 
Um, this is the let's keep it above the fold FAQ uh, variety is another possible approach. It's like everything. It's like everything is crunched in there. They did not read those links from you. Um, this is what I like to call the sexy FAQ page. Hey, it's, uh, I don't know what's going on there either. This is the always confusing, ever relied on jump link FAQ page, right? Yeah, that was always helpful. The best is um, no back functionality. Okay, I found this question, now what do I do? Then there's the really confusing jump FAQ page where your jump takes you to something that's already visible on the screen. And you're like, well, okay, these options aren't so good. Don't worry, there's hope. Uh, so this is Mammoth Booth, and Mammoth Booth is another photo rental site. And they have a really fun sort of aesthetic, and it's nice, and it's enjoyable. And you come here to their FAQ page, and basically what they're doing is when you hover over, you've got this sweet animation, and it's showing the answer to your question, and I'm like, I want to read this, right? Like, this isn't all thrown up and vomited content on the page. This is a nicely organized one. And so what I wanted to do is recreate this. So they're using JavaScript for their hovers, but you can do the same exact effect, essentially, using CSS instead. And to do this, the markup is really, really simple. We have a div that has an H2, an image, and a paragraph holding the answer. We're going to position the div relative and then position the heading and the image uh, absolute inside of it. And then basically the paragraph is also going to be positioned in there, but it's not positioned, sorry. And what we do is instead of just putting display num, we do opacity zero. And that holds the height of the container so it doesn't shrink or grow when you hover over it. And then on hover, essentially what we're going to do is just set the opacity to one and move the bottom and top values. And if we look back at this, we can see that um, the transition timing is 0.2 seconds on the heading and the image, so it moves out fast. And then it's 0.5 seconds on the paragraph, so it appears to fade in after everything is moved. So you can sort of play with these values and play with the animating effect that you're going to get when you're setting these hovers. And then that's our hover state. So we talked about this a little bit with the co-op site, but another thing that's really important is audience-appropriate hovers. Um, it's really, you know, you don't want to throw these things all willy-nilly on your page because sometimes it won't work, right? We got to remember, yeah, don't want to piss off this guy. Um, so what I'm going to do this time is sort of show an effect and think about where we could use it. Because as developers, sometimes don't you like see an effect and you're like, that's so awesome, I'm going to find some place to use it. And like, you know, maybe it shouldn't go there, but you're going to find a place, dang it. You're going to find it and it's going on a website somewhere. So. Here's an example of hovers mixed with 3D transforms, right? When I saw this, I was like, yes! I want to do this on everything. You can flip. Ah, oh, the internet, so much power. Um, and to do this, essentially, we, again, we have two divs. We have something hold, holding the front that says yes, and then we have a div holding the back that has the image. And to, in order to achieve this effect, we're going to have a few different key properties. We're going to do the perspective property and the transform styles, and we're going to rotate the y-axis while hiding the back face visibility. And I know it's hard to see code, so I'm not going to go over this too much, but I will point you to a great CSS Tricks article um, where Chris does a great job of explaining how you use back face visibility. But so where can we use this? Right? Where can I stick this awesome effect? What if we stuck it on The Economist? That is not appropriate at all. 
This is not, I made this. I had to clarify this for someone one time. This is not their web developer's fault. Um, I just, I went ahead and adjusted the values to see it as an example of something that would be a little bit ridiculous, right? Um, if you stuck this in there, you might get fired. Please don't go running to whatever clients you are and stick this on everything. But find where you should put it. So where could you put it? Well, what if you had a site about pie? Not that kind of pie, but I've got to get an Ancient Aliens reference in everything that I do. Um, but this kind of pie. Um, what if we had a site about pie? So Emporium Pies is a site about delicious, delicious pies, which I hear there are delicious pies in Tennessee, and I would like to find out about said delicious pies later, so I will take pie-eating recommendations, please. Um, and so going back to Hover's, here are their pies, and when you hover over the pie, you get this really cool back face visibility, and it flips, and then it goes from showing you the description, so you're like, oh my god, that looks good, and it's called Lord of the Pies? I want to eat this pie. Um, so this, god, I had feedback. I was so excited about that pie, sorry. Um, so this is a really good example. Like, of course, it's really kitschy, right? This is a really kitschy effect, but pies are fun, and so it's completely appropriate for the audience of this site. So moving on to something that's not so fun. Anyone here ever want to punch Photoshop in the face? <laughs> yeah, right? Totally. So let's talk about how we can stay out of Photoshop. And we can do that using a little bit of hovers mixed with CSS filters. And CSS filters are really neat. And uh, for this example, uh, I do more development than design. So I'm going to use this site as an example for my design inspiration. And this is Circles Conference, a great conference that took place with a lot of great speakers. And when you hover over the speaker, you get their name and their Twitter handle. This looks really good. And when you take a look of how they're doing it, they basically have the image just cut. And there's no, uh, there's no color change, but there is that sort of text that's shown. So I wanted to create something similar. I wanted to put on a conference too. My conference is about cats. Go figure. Um, so here is what I'm doing here. And we're going to try to achieve the same thing, but with filters and not going into Photoshop. So starting out, the basic HTML is nothing crazy. I grabbed some images from around the internet. I've got a header, I've got a list of links, and then I've got the cats and their names. I'm going to go ahead and float all those images, right? And then instead of cutting the circular images, I'm going to use border radius in order to get that circle shape so I can always adjust it later if necessary. But the colors are also different, and I want to get them more on the same page. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to use that place kitten uh, one as a who uses place kitten? It's like the best thing on the internet, right? Yeah, like since we're like placeholder images, place kitten, it just makes development so much happier. Um, so we want to make everything grayscale, like place kitten. So we can go ahead and use the CSS filter grayscale. Um, and CSS filters are something that, again, we'll have to wait for wide support. But right now, while we're in pretend awesome land, we're going to use them freely. So we're going to go ahead and switch it to grayscale 100%. And that gets everything a little bit more on the same page, but not quite that look that we were going for. So let's keep going. We can also add another filter, the sepia filter, which takes a percentage. And we're going to set that to 90%. Now all of our cats look like this. So sort of getting somewhere, doing some more effects, again, staying out of Photoshop. Let's keep going. Let's add the hue rotate. And hue rotate causes a color shift. And the parameters there are set in, set in degrees. So you can go 0 to 360. And we're going to go ahead and do 90 degrees. And that gets us a sort of blue-greenish color going for it. But it could be a little more exciting. You know what? You're like, 100%? No way! Bump that up! Let's do 110% contrast, right? 
get really scared at this point. I did this one time and I did it 110% and all the lights went out in where I was speaking. And I was like, oh my God, don't ever go above 100%. I'm sorry, CSS gods. Um, but it's cool. You can go over 100%. So we bump that up. It looks really hip. You're like, that looks good. And then, of course, we love hovers. So let's go ahead and add a hover. So on hover, we're going to take off the hue, rotate, set it back. We're going to switch the grayscale down to 70. We're going to up the sepia to 100. We're going to leave that contrast at 110%. And this is what we get. So again, this isn't as fine-tuned as that Circles Conf site, right? But this is done in like five minutes. Um, and it keeps us out of Photoshop. You can sort of tweak things as you go and play with them. And if you went year by year and wanted to keep doing this and you changed your color schemes the next year, you'd really easily be able to just change these filter values and update your site for the next year. So here's an example of going from one set of colors to another set of colors. Along with filters, CSS3 brought, a lot of, brought us a lot of cool animation tricks, right? We're able to sort of start doing all these crazy things. But the thing is, like, you don't want to go all willy-nilly adding animations everywhere, right? Because we don't want to go back to those flash days. So it's really important that when you choose to add your animations, you don't really confuse your user. Remember when you'd like, come to a site and it'd be like a flash intro, but you weren't sure if the site was broken because it hadn't loaded yet? And you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on here, internets, witchery. And you're like, it's cool, it's safe. Um, so you sort of have to choose when you use them. So going back to uh, Delaware Valley, uh, when we were working with them, they had just rebranded. And they had this amazing branding done. And we got these assets for them. And they had these sort of loop uh, icons here. And the idea was that the loop connected ideas together throughout like the college and the students and the website. And it was scattered throughout all their print materials. And so we wanted to use it somewhere on the website. But we don't want you to come to the web page and have loops flying all over the place, right? Because that would be pretty tacky. Um, so we decided that one place that we could use it was in a slideshow. Users are very familiar with slideshows these days. You pretty much see carousels everywhere. People have strong opinions on whether or not said carousel should be everywhere, but uh, whether or not you like carousels or don't, they are in a lot of places. And people are really used to controls on carousels, right? If you guys saw this, you'd probably know what to do, right? You're going to go to an arrow, or you're going to click your right button, and then something's going to happen, you go to the next one. So what a perfect place to add something like this. If you're going to start adding animations, if you add something like this here, you're not going to sort of throw the user off. So that's exactly what we did. If you take a look, you hover over here, and then you get that loop animation. It's basically a couple of eye elements where we're animating borders and then a loop property with CSS masks. And the thing that was really exciting is it's kind of a complicated animation, but a user has to choose to engage with that element before you start throwing out loops at them. And that's an important choice when you're trying to decide when you should be using hovers like this. It's not going to get in their way. Readability on websites is another thing that's a really big deal. And the thing is about... <laughs> Sorry, this one kills me. Um, the thing... <laughs> I, it's funny, I, I swore that I wasn't going to make um, any speaking at a coffee house jokes, but I really wish I had like a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey right now to just start reading. It'd be like, and for the rest of this evening. I don't know the guy's name. Anyone know the guy's name? That was a trick. Good job, everybody. No one reads this book. <laughs> so, so now that we're all on the same page, let's get back to hovers. Um, the thing about readability is um, there's a lot of sites these days that sort of uh, allow you to see your content in a way that you weren't intending your visitors to see, right? So sites like readability, they allow you to go to a web page, say, this 
font is too small, or there's too much crap going on here, because that's what people say, there's too much crap going on here, and then they click a button that says make readable, and you're like, ah, it's beautiful. And that's cool and all, but as designers, don't we want our users to stay in the design that we intended them to see, right? So if we take an example of what I'm talking about, here's Smashing Mag, which is a great site. And so you know, someone might come here and they might be like, advertising, I hate advertising, I don't like this. And you can make the site smaller and some of it goes away, but some people don't understand that idea of responsive or anything like that. So instead, they might choose to see the site using something like readability. And if you see that, that goes from something like this, which the design intended, to something like this, which is a lot different. So what if instead we decided to give our users a choice of how they can see our websites? How can we do that, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Um, so this is the Nerdery, and this is a site that I write for. And um, it's been basically uh, myself, Mark Hewitt, and Kenny Myers. And when we were uh, making this site, we got into that argument that I think every developer has about every six months is, do you prefer dark on light or light on dark for your text editors, right? And at the time, I have since come around, um, I preferred dark on light, and they preferred light on dark. And so we sort of, they were like, they won the sort of battle. And I was like, okay, we can do our code samples like that, that's fine. But what if instead of having to choose, because both options are valid, we allowed our users to choose? So let's say that we have dark on light. What if I want my user to be able to see it light on dark? How can I do that? Hovers. What about if on hover of that code it inverted? And you can do that with something as simple as a CSS, a CSS filter. And again, this is an example using gray and then a lighter gray. And all we have to do to, in order to achieve that is add this WebKit filter of invert one. And it'll invert the colors that you're using. It's definitely a neat trick um, that you might want to incorporate somewhere if you have code battles with your friends. Um, but what about if something else? Let's take this further. I like to take things further. So let's say that we've got a bunch of jibbity jabbity crap on our screen. And we're like, let's make this readable. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And let's give it some containing structures. And we're just going to add some padding. We're going to add some widths. We're going to give them margins. And um, we see this here, but it's still a little bit hard to read. So how do we make the thing that we're reading more sort of in focus? First, let's make them more all out of focus. And in order to do that, we're going to use another filter called the blur. And blur filter uh, will take values that the higher you get, the more sort of intensive they are on your processor. So you definitely don't want to go too high, but we'll give it two. And then we're going to go back and we're going to see this and we're going to be like, yeah, looks good, ship it. And you're going to be like, no, it doesn't. And I'm like, you're right, it doesn't. So what can we do? Hovers. How about every time we hover over an article, we take off the blur? And by doing that, you'll see that just that one seems super in focus, right? Making it quite obvious which article you're reading. Stay with me. Let's keep going on other ways that we can sort of clarify that they're separate articles. Well, what if we wanted to combine something, right? What if we wanted to give people, again, that sort of inverting choose, uh, inverting choice? Well, we can't do the thing where we have it hover, on hover you invert it also, because then you wouldn't be able to have a choice, right? So what if we did something else? What if we utilized focus in order for people to be able to do this? And so on focus, basically we're gonna blur zero and invert one. And, but to, in order to do this, you have to add tab indexes so people can be able to tab to that into focus. So basically, you're going to get something like this. Of course, how would anyone know to do that, right? Like, there's no way. That's like the Easter egg. Like, it's like the up, up, it's like the contra code. Like, you don't want people to have to figure this out. So what can we do? 
Well, on Hover, we can combine Hover with generated content and write content to the screen that says something like, click on and off to invert. And that will get us this. When you hover over, click on or off to invert, it unblurs and you get that message. It's really strong sort of the possibilities that you're able to do this and then when you click, it inverts as well. Some of you are probably thinking, that's amazing! And some of you are probably thinking, I would never use anything like this ever. <laughs> and that's fair. Um, but I just want to show you two sites that use something sort of along the general same line. So there was a, a list of part article recently called Hack Your Maps. And there was a, it was about mapping and choosing mapping. But if we're looking at something like this, you can see as they're going through the different steps of the map, it inverts and unblurs, right? And this looks pretty good. This is a pretty good example of how you're able to use technology like that for like some sort of interface that you're trying to make. Another example, um, this is a site on, uh, this is Dan Denny's site, and he was doing a conference uh, sort of wrap up. And on it, you can see that as you're scrolling through, the specific speaker wrap up that you're looking at becomes sort of in focus, and that blurs out, and the filters change the colors, right? So there's sort of areas that you can take this technology and apply them more gracefully. We talked a little about focus, and that's sort of one of the things that's really important to not forget. It's really easy to forget about your keyboard users. And whether the, uh, people are using a keyboard because they have an accessibility, or because like they're drinking a Mountain Dew, reading Reddit, and they're like a power user sitting there like this, you know, it's really important to remember keyboard. And in order uh, to do this, uh, you can read, it's very simple how, Dave Rupert wrote a guest post on Fuck Yeah Hovers recently, <laughs> sorry, it's so rude, FBI Hovers recently, um, about how easy it is to add focus to your page. And you'll see that just by defining with like a nice little comma, a hover, a focus, sorry, I get really passionate about focus, um, you can see that you can get the same sort of effect and apply your same sort of hover styles to this. And in case anyone ever gets asked, can you remove that ugly blue box that comes along with focus, you can. Um, by removing sort of your outline with this, you can just apply the same, any hover that you would give, any hover styles, you can apply the same exact things to focus. So the million dollar question. What about mobile and touch devices? These are all really fun, but what do I do when I've got my tablet sitting in front of me, right? And things are crazy these days because we have phones that can hover and we have desktops that can touch. <sighs> it's like sad panda all over the place. What is one to do with this? Um, so another example of a site I worked on was for MTV and they have these online music awards and they've got these voting pages and on the vote page they have these categories and the categories um, Basically, when you hover over them, more information about the category is shown and it says vote now. And we're not hiding anything important here because it's just um, sort of more information about what Justin Bieber is doing and any uh, hip young MTV reader will know whether or not they want to click on that category without that additional information. Um, so what we did for this specific site on mobile was uh, uh, things like best artist with a camera phone. It's pretty self-explanatory. So for this, what we did is we kept the voting category and the image and the vote count, but we just removed that, we don't see that sort of extra description anymore, right? I think the description on camera phone is like, see what they eat for breakfast. And you're like, that's okay. If my reader doesn't see that line, they can figure it out in one more click. So that's one option, is figuring out what you can actually show and hide and only showing something on hover that isn't vital to your user. In the case of Emporium Pies, where they were first showing like that beautiful pie, right? Instead, what they've decided to do is show the text. 
So by default on smaller devices, they're showing the text and then you can click in and you can see that. And I already know without the picture of the topping that I want to eat all of that pie. So this is a perfectly good, acceptable way to handle your mobile audience. For the paint drop, they did something a little bit different, where they sort of tackled and applied different functionality with JavaScript for users that were coming here on mobile. So now instead of a hover, you click and it expands and shows more information. So again, another option you have for choosing what to do. But how do you calculate the logic for this, right? This is the problem. For a while, we had the thing where you could say, okay, if you're bigger than, you know, 1024, then you're a desktop. If you're smaller, you're a tablet. But now we can't do that because we're like, hey, tablets are this large. This is insane. Like, this is actually made. And I will not be surprised if, like, all, like, super geeks are, like, walking down the street with it. And you're like, yeah, totally. You guys make my job harder. Uh, but that's cool. I get it. Like, it's awesome. It's awesome that these things are being made. But sort of difficult, right? Josh Clark wrote an article recently about this, and basically in it he says that we should not rely on any sort of hovers at all. Um, everything should be designed in the screen that we need users to see. It's not always an option, right? <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but sometimes my designer is like, I want this hover and I want it now, and I'm like, me too, dude. <laughs> um, that, I, that's me high-fiving someone else. I don't <laughs> high-five. <laughs> Maybe I do, but... I'm high-fiving someone else. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that it's cool because we don't want our designs to get boring, right? Content first is really important. Serving all our audience is really important, but it's also really cool to have good design. It's good to have a fun experience for your users on your site. For clients where essentially everything that was in the hover was really important. And the image should be seen by default, and then when you hover over it, sort of this more information came that showed the article title of like what the image corresponded to. We weren't sure what to do for the mobile devices. And so we looked at things like Modernizer, um, which do feature detection, but the problem was is there's a lot of false positives when you're talking about mobile device feature detection. And the worst thing that can happen is if you get a false positive is maybe it's going to show the text on a desktop anyway, which is cool. So if you start by mobile first and say always show the text, and then remove it on desktop, you're sort of planning for that worst case scenario, which is like if a user sees that sort of text on desktop, you're like, that's okay, you know, it's not the worst thing, it's just not what I wanted. We have a few options to tackle this. Um, for IE10 users, there's actually an ARIA attribute called ARIA has pop-up, and if you set that to true, it will know that it's supposed to be in a hover state and show. The other thing that we tried is this experiment um, that you can find more information about over at the Nerdery, and basically we were saying, what if we use JavaScript and use mouse move? Basically, if a mouse is moving, then you're using something with a mouse event, right? So we tried to do something like that, and it didn't work right away. There were some complications, because it turns out when you uh, click, that also triggers mouse move in JavaScript. But you can combine mouse move with a touch start event. And when you can combine it with a touch start event, what you'll get is this. You'll get a quick flash, and then it'll go away. And it's not like the most ideal thing in the world for sure, but you'll see that it works perfectly great on mobile, and then if you go back to your desktop, that's how it's loaded. So again, nothing sort of perfect. We don't have that like end-all solution for this, but there's options out there. And more experimenting and the more that we're sharing with each other, the more we can sort of keep our designs exciting and keep using these hover interactions, but also still serve our mobile audience. The last thing I want to do um, before I leave here, um, you guys talking about hovers, is tell you a little bit about the future. A future where there's killer robots. 
And in this future, we've got Tom, we've got Tom Selleck, and he's saving us from Gene Simmons. Because Gene Simmons is an evil madman in this film called Runaway. And it was from 1984, and it's an amazing movie that's probably on Netflix instant. Has anyone seen this movie? Yes, right? It's badass. It's really awesome, and it's scary. It has a scary future with these killer robots. So I'm watching this movie, and I turn to my friends, and I say, you ever get Tom Selleck and Burt Reynolds confused? And my friend goes, no. And I was like, really? And I was like, because they kind of look alike. Describe them. If you describe them, they're like describing the same exact person, right? Totally. So I get totally mocked for this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the internet because I know that the internet is my friend. And sure enough, someone has made a Bert or Tom quiz. And I'm like, see, someone else has this problem too. And so I open it up, and basically what it is, is they've created this form, and you click all the buttons, and you hit submit, and it tells you you've got all these wrong answers, or if they're right. And I'm like, a form? Who's got time for a form? So I decided to go ahead and recreate this with hovers. <laughs> because that's what people do, right? So if you guys can see, what I'd like to do right now is go down from top to bottom. And as we go on the top, I'd like you to yell out who you think it is. You ready? First one. It's Tom. How about the next one? Third one. It's Bert. Fourth one. Fifth one? You guys gotta be faster. Next one? You guys you guys are getting better at this. <laughs> yeah. As you can see, there are very important things to do with hovers on the interwebs. Uh, it's one of those things that like you can use these things for fun, right? We have, it's really important, content, accessibility, all these things. And there's a way that we can still achieve all those things and have fun and figure out if it's Bert or Tom in a speedy fashion without having to do form submits. So uh, with that in mind, I hope that I see more hovers from all of you. And I hope that you will share them with me. So thank you so much. <laughs>